you. Good morning, my name is Daniel Budd, and I'm one of the pastors here, and this morning it's my privilege to join you in opening God's Word, and we continue this morning a journey that we started a while back through the book of Ephesians, and we arrive this morning at chapter 6. I'm sure that every family has its own rules. And maybe you remember your parents or uh, your siblings reminding you of those rules. I, let me just tell you uh, something that I remember my parents saying, and especially my mother kind of remember, remembering us constantly as kids. You know that I grew up in Romania, so uh, they were contextualized to that, to that age, you know, maybe like 40-some years ago. My mom will say, make sure you never come home after 10 o'clock at night. Or she will say something like, make sure if you meet somebody who is older than you, you say hi first. Always say please and always say thank you. Use those words. Or she will say something like, make sure you do not miss church on Sunday morning and on Sunday evening. You have to be in church. And if you go to a different church where I don't go, you have to tell me what was the service about, right? And we have all of these rules that sometimes they are very spelled out, very clear, and other times they are not. And you learn them when you break them, sort of, you know. Um, one instance like that was I was about 10 years old, and I had an older sister. She was a teenager. And one day, my parents left home for a while, and I was home with my sister, and she brought her boyfriend uh, into our home. And uh, we started to play, to chat, and have a good, fun time together. He was a really nice guy. And at some point, I felt, oh, I'm going to just play in my room. So I went in my room, and my sister went uh, in her room. And a few minutes later, the parents came home. And they came home. We lived in a small apartment, so it was very fast. And they discovered that the door was closed in my sister's room. And I looked at their faces, and I'm telling you, wow, they were upset. I had no idea that we broke a rule, you know. But the rule was basically something like, you know, if you are with your boyfriend or girlfriend, make sure you are not alone in the same room with the door closed. Or you are not alone with any boyfriend or girlfriend in one house, just the two of you. I had no idea that we had that rule, you know, I was just 10. So both me and my sister, we got... A really, really good spanking, you know. He, uh, he used something really bad. So we were all bruised for the next months or so. I've never, I've never forgotten that rule. Now, I'm not saying I didn't break it, but I never forgot it. <laughs> it was a rule that was seared into my mind from an early age, you know. Don't play with that. Because they felt that their honor is threatened, you know. As parents, they felt, well, you threaten our honor. And I was guilty by association. And although they, pan they punished me, you know, because I was kind of there and did nothing or something uh, like that, you know, I, I felt that I am not guilty. But although they punished me severely, and they believed in physical punishment in those ages, you know, uh, I still loved them and I honored them. I didn't hate them for doing that to me. It wasn't pleasant. It was painful. And I still honored and I understood what they meant by that. They wanted to preserve our honor and the honor and the family. 
So they had rules that were very, very strict in those, in those days. And by the way, if you think that physical punishment is something bad, I'm just telling you the whole country should be put in jail, I mean the parents at that time, because everybody did that, you know. Everybody used physical punishment, and in schools too, by the way. So this morning I just wanted to think of your own family rules, but also to look with me at Paul. In Ephesians chapter 6, and even before in chapter 5, right, Last week, he was talking about uh, husbands and wives. And in chapter 6, is, is still the same context of family. And Paul is a guy who now establishes from God some rules for a godly, biblical family. For somebody who says, I am a Bible believer. I believe in Christ. I follow Jesus. And I follow the teachings of God. He says, there are some rules for parents and for children. And uh, just open with me in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 6 and look at the first four verses. It says like this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you. And that you may enjoy life, long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Three major commands I would like to just focus on. Zoom, so that we have a clear understanding of where Paul is leading us. Two commands for the kids, for the children, and one for the fathers. Look what he says. Children, obey. So I would like us to look at this word, obey. Then is children, honor. Children, honor. And then fathers, instruct and teach. So first, what does it mean, children, obey? It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You have, you have the children, right? And there's a relationship between children and parents. And they are linked with one word, one verb, one command, one imperative, obey. And then you have a broader context in the Lord. And then even a universal rule for this is right. A statement of our morality. This is morally, morally, ethically right. So just think about it. You have the children... And you have the parents who are their authority from God in the Lord, so God is up. And then you have this rule that basically says to obey, to let the Lord rule over your house is right. There is a universal moral law that is, says this is how in a normal average family things should happen. The authority comes from the Lord. And that's an absolute authority. There is nobody above him. He establishes this thing. And he gives us this human, uh, human organization called the family. It's, a, it's maybe the most basic cell of our society, the family. And he says, the authority of God is absolute. So everything is done in the Lord. But then the parents have authority over the children. And that authority is a delegated authority. So if you think about, you know, you say, well, I am a child. 
And the truth is that everyone is a child, but not everyone is a parent. And that's fine. But if you think, oh, I'm an adult child, what do I do now? What is God's word for me? At some point in time, yes, we become adult children and we have children of our own. But we still might have parents who are alive. So the relationship of obedience, a little bit is shifted. It changes. It's not the same as being a young child. An adult child relates in a different way than a young child with his parents. So what does it mean then? What does it mean for us to say, children, obey your parents in the Lord? How do we obey our parents in the Lord? Well, if you are a young child, right? You just do what they say. It's very simple, right? Let me just give you some of the examples in which you can obey your parents. And like I said, I was 10 when I learned the rule. But it might be just your parents say to you, read the Bible. Read the Bible. You say, what? Read the Bible. Yeah, that's pretty easy. And maybe they say, don't drink. You are 10 or 15, and they say, don't drink. If you want to drink, even legally, you should wait until you are 21. Now, they don't say that because they hate you or they don't want you to have joy in life or to take the fun out of your life. But what they know is that your brain is not developed and you don't have the moral capacity to know what's right or wrong. And if you, if you infect your brain at a young age with substances, you will be very hard-pressed to change your moral decisions and to think right later in life. You can become dependent addicted to some substance. Never try drugs. Why do they say that? Because they know that you will be happy? No, because they will know that drugs can destroy you. So in a way, what parents tell us is parallel with what, in many cases, the laws of an orderly society say too. If you are 21... You may take a drink, but make sure that you don't get drunk. Your parents may say, wait until you are married. It's not because, again, they hate you, but because they want to say, you will enjoy a life better. Don't watch porn. It's not because they don't want you to have fun, but because they know that your eyes should not see everything, every sinful act. Some movies are not for you to see. So protect your eyes. The Bible said, made, make a covenant. I made a covenant with my eyes. Do your best in school. Again, not because they hate you, but because they know if you do your best, you will enjoy your God-given gifts better. You will enjoy serving and growing and becoming who God made you to be. Don't just quit because it's hard. Yeah, you will have hardship in life, and it can be a sport. It can be anything. But basically, they tell you, don't quit when it becomes hard, but work harder. Have a good work ethic. No matter what you do, you do it for the Lord, for His glory. Whether you are on the football field, or whether you study for a test, or whether you do some other things for your career, don't just quit when it becomes hard. And don't bully others. Respect people. Especially respect those who are weaker. And love God and love the church. Come to church, not because they hate you or they want you to be busy on Sunday morning, but because they know 
that if you come together with the other believers, your faith will grow. It's the best thing they can do. And that's why they basically promise when you are baptized. They say, I'm going to nurture your faith. And then serve those in need. They might say, you know, I don't do this because that's how you earn your salvation. But it's good to be a person that serves others. So if you look at all of these things, they are in the Lord. And the society will not have a problem with most of this, right? The society kind of agrees. And these are just some of the samples. I'm not sure what your family rules are. But in a godly family, everything that they tell you, it's in the Lord. And most of the time, it's within the bounds of the laws of society. Some parents, some parents, unfortunately, might tell you something wrong. They might say, you know, if it's, it's, if it's for your advantage, you might just sneak a lie, you know, here and there. You don't need to be honest all the time if you gain something by it. Or you can steal if there's no other easy path. You know, if that's the easiest way out, just steal, right? You, you hear parents say, you know, if there's no other way to make money, you know, Dealing drugs, that's fine too. You know, that's what we do. We, we basically, that's the way. So though in those cases, you know, even the society says, no, don't do it. It's wrong. You will destroy yourself. You will destroy your future. You will infect your heart, God says. You will poison who you are. So don't do it. But you say, what, what do I do if I am an older child, right? In my 40s or 50 plus? Do I have to, do I have to uh, obey my parents? Do, do I have to take care of them when they, are, when they are aging? Am I supposed to not send them or not kind of direct them to the best maybe homes for the elderly or options that they have? What do I do? do am I responsible for others? And that's why Paul uses kind of the, the foundation for the command, children, obey your parents in the Lord for it is right. And then he moves to the next one and he says, honor. He quotes the Ten Commandments. And basically, we move to the second point, and Paul uses the word, the word honor, the verb. It's an imperative. And he says, do you know that there are the Ten Commandments? And look at them. You know, the first one starts, you shall have no other gods before me, so only one God. You shall not make an idol. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. You shall keep, remember, to keep the Sabbath day. And keep it holy. And then you might expect, and you shall maybe obey your king or something big and important. And it comes down to honor your father and your mother. Honor. Show them honor. Immediately after God and after obeying and worshiping properly to our Lord, it is now make sure that you understand how the family function. You are placed in this society, in the, in the, the most basic cell of our society which is the family and basically God tells us 35 years uh, 35 years back you should look at your parents like equally important equally worthy of your honor your mom and your dad deserve your honor now it's hard to define I'm not saying it's easy to define honor but you have many definitions let me try just one what does it mean to honor them and I will say this, because it's one of the Ten Commandments, therefore it's universally valid across the time, across cultures. 
then I would say under all circumstances, which means whether your parents are the ones that uh, you admire and love because they are honest and they are full of integrity and, and uh, they are upright and just and faithful to God, or whether your parents are not. Maybe some of us or some of you, right, you say, my parents were not like that. Or maybe I never even had parents. I was raised by whoever. So what do I do? Or my parents were addicted to substances, you know, and they, they were ma- mainly, most of the time, maybe they were breaking the law. What do I do? But that's why I think the law says, the commandment says, honor. Under all circumstances, regardless whether they are good or bad or evil. Every child must make the moral decision. It's not an emotional decision. It's a moral decision. It's a commitment that you make. It's something that you say, I'm going to do to treat my parents with respect, with civility, with grace, and with dignity. It doesn't mean that in all circumstances you have to love them, but you have to treat them with honor, with respect, and you have to have a lifelong commitment for their well-being. You, see, you, you have to seek, even in your older age, their interest, their, their well-being. You must want good for them. You must wish that God will bless them. And you must do whatever you can so that their well-being is protected. Under all circumstances, every child must make. Every child. Why is must every child? Because everyone is a child. We might not have all parents, we might not be parents, but we all have parents. Some of us are not parents, but all of us are kids. So every child has to make this moral decision to treat parents with respect, civility, grace, and dignity, and to have a lifelong commitment for their well-being. We are in this relationship for the long haul. Now, you might say, well, I am an adult child, my parents are older, and I have children of my own, and I might even have grandkids. What do I do? Do I need to obey? Do I need to obey them all the time? Or you might say, I am a young child, but my parents are not upright. You see, the commandment doesn't say something. When it says honor, when it says honor, it doesn't say that you have to obey them. If they teach you wrong things, as a child, you don't have to obey them. Because it says, in the, ro- in the Lord. Only if they teach you something in the Lord. Many people that come to faith in the Lord as children come to faith where their parents are not faithful. So they might be even forbidden. The, the parents might say, you should never become Christian. But as a child... And like I told you the story, you know, my, my son was uh, at a swim uh, practice and there was a guy who was a Buddhist, another child, young, young boy, maybe 10 years old. And, uh, and uh, David said, you know, I just came from, from an event at our church and blah, blah. They were both in, in the locker rooms and the other child said, well, my parents are Buddhist, so I, am, I would like to join a church like you in activities, but they told me not to do it. And then David said, well, you can be a closet Christian. You, you can be in a secret. You, know, you don't need to tell them. You can just start to believe in Jesus in your heart. You know. So there are some things that you can do in the Lord and disobey your parents. 
If your parents forbid you to believe in Christ, for example, it doesn't say honor that you have to approve of them. You know, parents, there are some parents that do good things, but there might be parents who you might say, you know, I am not approving what they are doing right now. And many kids might be in that situation, or many adult children might look at their parents and say, I do not agree what they are doing. It doesn't mean you have to approve it, right? But also, at the same time, it doesn't mean that uh, you have to esteem them. Sometimes, we revere our parents and we admire them. But other times, the command honor basically says you don't have to esteem your parents all the time in all circumstances. There are some circumstances where you cannot even trust them. Some parents are so unstable that they are untrustworthy. You cannot pour out your heart to them. You cannot talk about your intim intimate thoughts, your intimate issues, your problems, because they are not trustworthy. You cannot trust your soul and your heart into their hands because they don't know how to handle it or they handle it wrongly. And finally, it doesn't even say that you should love your parents. It says you should honor them. Love is an emotion. It's a strong emotion. You might get there, but it is not required. If your parents are love-worthy, love them. But it doesn't require that all people, all the time, all children should offer love to their parents because some parents are evil and they should not be loved because it will distort something in the kids if you love them, if you love evil things. So how can I honor my parents? How can I honor my parents? How can I give them honor? If you are in, in the 30s, you know, 40s and 50s, you might just say, you know, I'm going to visit them. And, and that's what we tried to do this summer when we visited our parents in Romania. They are so far away that we said, I'm going to take our grandkids. Make sure that the grandkids spend time with them. We are so far. And there are many ways in which your family can do that. Many of you gather together once a year with all the family and the grandkids are there and the grandparents and your, your, everybody's there. Or maybe you say, no, in my case, I just call them every week or every other week or every day or so many times. You know, we call them and we talk and we talk about things, we talk about their lives. Or maybe you say, you know, I'm taking my parents out for lunch or for dinner or on Sundays. We have, we have you know, places where we honor them. And uh, why not telling them? Why not telling our parents, you know, how much, they, how much we appreciate their sacrifice? If, if, if you have been through a Christian school, right, which is some choice, you know, one choice that parents do, know for sure that they sacrifice. They sacrifice better cars, better homes, better vacations. They sacrifice a lot of things to, went to, to help, help you go to the Christian school. In fact, one of the parents in our church, they said, we look back at our uh, four kids or so, and they said, up to 12th grade, we spent about a quarter million dollars on their Christian school. And they said, we did it with gladness, and we are joyful that we could do, but we don't understand how we could afford that. But the Lord help us. Maybe your parents put you in a charter school or in a public school. But even then, they were so faithful to you. They took you maybe on weekends, right? To every game that you needed to play, to every sport, they spend a lot of time. Do you think that they really love the sport? They just love you many times. They just were there because they were committed to you and to me. So why don't we tell them, we appreciate your sacrifice, your being in our life. And finally, we, they are not perfect, right? We know this. No family is perfect family. 
and just tell them, you know, maybe it's time for us to, to tell them, you know what, I'm going to just forget all of our imperfections. Or if I remember them, I will learn from them. And I forgive you of all of them. And I want to elevate the good things that you did for me. Mom, by the way, do you remember those dumplings that you made and we love them? Do you know that I am making them with my kids? And that's our favorite dish now? Or dad, do you remember when you, you know, taught me how to, how to change this or that? Maybe the oil in the car or how to save some money? Do you know that my kids are doing that? And there was not a better place but from you to learn those things. And I appreciate that so much. And more and more, the more I grow older, the more I feel like I'm doing things like you and I respond to things like you did. Do you know how much they will be uh, appreciative of our words, of seeing themselves in us, somebody said. How about if you're a young girl child? You know, you say, how do I honor? How do I honor my parents? Well, it's very easy, right? You do things in the Lord. Do your best in school. It's not something that it's hard, right? You say, well, it's hard. Well, it's a simple desire. They want you to do your best in life. So maybe work hard. Give your best in sports if you are in a sport. They want you to give everything because they go with you there. They take you there. And they spend time with you, you know. Seek first the kingdom of God. They would like you to love God, to love His church, to love His kingdom more than anything else in your life. How about do your chores? You say, well, um, in our family, I'm not sure uh, what are my chores. You know, they are not clear. Well, just simple one. Clean your room or wash your dishes. You know, that's simple one. You will make your mom happy. Just do something easy as that. But basically respect their rules. Respect what they tell you. You know their heart. You know what they want. Even if they don't say respect them. What's interesting is Paul says, this commandment to honor your father and your mother, to honor your parents, is followed, or it's the first commandment that has a promise. And the promise is, you will live a long and good life. In the promises, you will live a long and good life in the land the Lord provides for you. Now we know that today that land is our lifespan, but it's also the promised land, the new Jerusalem and life with Christ. But until he comes and gives us that land, just think about how much we save ourselves from trouble by obeying our family rules. You know, for example, the average age, teen boys first try alcohol is age 11. For teen girls, it's 13. Once you start at that age, Teens who start drinking before age 15 are five times more likely to develop alcohol dependence or abuse later in life than those who begin drinking at or after the legal age of 21. It's just the statistics. 70% of high school students have consumed alcohol by the end of their high school. That's almost three quarters. And the leading, the three leading causes of that for 15 to 24, 24 years old are automobile crashes, homicides, and suicides. But alcohol is the leading factor in all three of them. And finally, I will say the fastest growing group infected with STDs are young adults because, they're, because first they, they get under the influence of alcohol and drugs. 
and some of those are incurable. You carry them and you pass them on to your children. It's very important to believe that by honoring our, our father and our mother, we lead a better life, a longer and happier life. And that's what Paul says. But then he says, fathers, and maybe in the beginning, if parents were kind of uh, tapping their kids and say, hey, this is for you this morning. Now the kids are tapping and says, now this is for you, right? Paul says, parents, instruct and teach. Instruct and teach. But first he says, make sure that you do not exasperate your children. I'm not sure what exasperate your children, but I will just give you a few options. They are not kind of biblical, but they're just common sense things. You know, maybe by comparing them too much with others, or maybe by playing favorite, favorites among the kids, or maybe by discouraging them and telling them you are good for nothing, or you are a disappointment to us, you know, or maybe by using verbal or physical abuse. But the idea is that, um, and I like what Tim Keller said here, he said that the best or maybe the strongest or maybe the even more fierce way to exasperate your children is to neglect, to instruct, and to teach them. He said, when we don't instruct and we teach, even, he said, basically, even we should, even if we give them a, a wrong set of instructions, instructions, is better than no set of instruction. It's better to give them something, a wrong teaching, because later in life they might discover and say, oh, that was wrong, than to have no instruction and to abdicate our responsibility as fathers, you know, if you look, why is he talking about fathers? You might say, why is he talking about fathers exasperating? Let me just look at some models of, uh, of families with the role of the fathers. First, the authoritarian. Maybe this is where the biblical model comes into play. The father and the mother, they work together. Um, they provided. The father was the authoritative figure. You know, sometimes he had the authority even to discipline and even to kill the child. But Paul is correcting that, right? And then you have the Industrial Revolution where the father leaves the house to find work and the mother is kind of a housewife and takes care of the home. And that was for the first time when the work of the father and mother were so split and pushed far away. And then you have the human rights kind of model where uh, is the support model. The father and the mother become almost like executives. They don't teach anymore the kids but they make sure that they are supported and the kids are brought to the right child development center, to the, to the right teacher and educator, to the right psy psychologist. You know, they are brought to the right counselor or mentor. But all of these models, I think, they are transcended by what Paul says. He says, no, 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 fathers and mothers ought to be honored. And fathers, you don't get to do whatever. You make sure that you do not exasperate, but you teach and instruct. You have a role to instruct them. So the father then has different roles. The father has the role of the protector. He protects the family. He makes sure that the kids are protected from the influence of their own sinful behavior. That's why they are, when they are little, they are, you are protecting them. You make sure that they don't get anything that they want, right? Because something might not be good. You protect them from jumping into the fire, for instance, or jumping over the boat, you know, when they don't have the life vests on and stuff like that. They are not only protectors, they are providers. You provide for them shelter, you provide food, you pro provide clothing, you provide an education, you provide abilities, 
you, you develop their abilities, and then you are a priest. You pray for them. You are the one that knows better your kid. And you teach them how to relate to God, how to study God's word, how to love to pray, how to love to God, go into God's presence. And you encourage them to participate in Bible studies, in the church worship, in the youth, and in all sorts of activities. And then you are also a prophet. You speak God's words to them. You remind, remind them who they are. You remind that they are a gift to you from God. And you say, God has a plan for you. For a while, he put me in charge of you and mom. But I'm just telling you, you have to be brought up. And that's what Paul says. Fathers, make sure that you bring them up in the teaching and instruction of the Lord. You bring them up. That's what we, we, we are supposed to do. Because children are only for a while in our full authority. And then they grow up and they become young adults and young adult, adult children, right? And the purpose there is to acknowledge that we are just kind of surrogate fathers and mothers. For a while, the children are entrusted in our care. But our purpose is, as long as they are with us in our authority, we have to bring them up. By the time they, we brought them up, they are grown-ups. They should know their true father. They should know that our family is imperfect. No matter how much we try, our family is imperfect. But there is a perfect father in heaven who loves them more than we do, our human fathers and mothers. We bring them up in the Lord. They should know that there is a perfect family to which they belong. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit welcomes them. And the Holy Spirit comes into their lives. And Jesus is the perfect older brother. And we are adopted. They are adopted into that family. They don't need to be perfect kids because Christ Jesus was the perfect child. We are not saved by what we do as children, but we are saved by what Christ, the, the only child, perfect child of God did. His obedience was perfect. His lifestyle was perfect on our behalf. And he shares that perfection with us. We are not saved by our works, but by the works we are saved. They are the works of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And he gives to us that perfection, that justification. So that's what we are supposed to do. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a world or a church or a family? How about for, for next week? Can we say, what if as a child I'm going to obey my parents? And I'm going to be conscious about it in the next week. And I'm going to take the opportunity to show my honor to my fathers. And for one week, I will go to my mom and to my dad. And I will be intentionally about honoring them. What if for one week, as fathers, we will say, I'm going to pour out everything God gave me into my child. I'm going to just intentionally seek to teach them, to instruct them, and to not exasperate them. But what if, what if we, for one week, we become a family? A family in which kids obey and honor and parents instruct and teach. What if we do that? How is our family going to look like? Let's try it in the coming week. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks this morning that uh, you call us 
And you give us the example of Christ. And we thank you for Christ, the perfect child. And we thank you that you are indeed a perfect father. So may each and every one of us do our best to trust in Christ. And with our salvation coming from him, with our secured place in your family, may we behave as adopted children, honoring and obeying our parents. And may we behave as fathers and mothers called to instruct and to teach our children. Give us the wisdom how to do it in Christ's name. Amen. Would you please stand and receive God's greeting this morning as we leave this place. If you want to pray with somebody, there is a prayer room here to my right and somebody will be there praying with you. Otherwise, may you know that the grace and the mercy of our Father, the deep love of our Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you in this day and in the coming week. Amen. You may go in peace.